0: atrocities horrible horrible atrocities history talk about historical atrocities you think about horrible murderous regimes throughout the history of mankind think about the horrible things that have been done right you ever take a step back and wonder who was actually doing all that killing and pushing people around and arresting people I mean, you know the people at the top. I mean, it's not hard. As soon as I said atrocities and things like that, you undoubtedly thought things like uh, Stalin and Hitler and Mao. And that's great examples, okay. But those guys weren't actually out there pulling the trigger, yanking people's fingernails out, and filling up ditches full of bodies, were they? No, they were in the room somewhere, pointing here and pointing there and kill these people and kill those people. Who was actually doing all this bad stuff? I mean, physically out there pulling that trigger. I'm glad you asked. They all had government enforcement arms. All of them. They all had state police, state intelligence arms. Oftentimes they were one and the same, but not always. And the state intelligence arm would go out at, you know, the behest of the the leader of the regime, and they would find out who the enemies are. Hey, sir, you know, Mr. Stalin, this guy over here, he made a couple phone calls, said some things I don't think you'd like. Oh, okay, all right. Well, then you turn to the enforcement arm, oftentimes the same thing in the Soviet Union, and you say, I'd like that guy to not be here anymore. And they go and make it so. You see all those millions and millions and millions and millions of bodies stacked up by the communists over the years. They weren't stacked up by wishes. They weren't stacked up by orders, even. That that order, that piece of paper, go kill these people. That didn't actually put anyone in the ground. What put all those people in the ground and caused all that unending death and misery was the state police. Now, I'm glad we're talking about this tonight because I think it's important for you and I to understand exactly the situation we have here in the United States of America with the CIA, NSA, FBI, with America's massive bureaucratic administrative state and all these unelected, unaccountable law enforcement officers, spies, people you don't have the power to vote out. You can't touch any of them and they have the power to destroy your life like that i want you to understand that and you can say to me things like jesse but i have not i haven't done anything wrong you think that matters you think they can't make it look like with the snap of their fingers you did something really really bad Sure, maybe the truth will come out in the end. It'll be on page 26 of the New York Times as a correction after your life has already been destroyed. These people can and will destroy your life. They possess that power. You, you have no recourse. You you can't touch them. I mean, uh, politically, you can't vote them out. There's nothing you can do to them. This is a scary thing. But I know what you might be saying to me. "Wow, well, I, I know that could get bad, but we've never had a problem with them. What's the problem? Well, I'm glad you asked. The problem is not only are these groups, these bureaucratic agencies, getting more and more powerful. Their budgets are growing. We'll go over that in just a second. Their numbers are growing. Not only are they getting more and more powerful, but they're deciding universally, CIA, NSA, FBI, that America does have an enemy, and an enemy they have to focus on. And you know who the enemy is they're focused on? You. You've heard them time and time and time again. Domestic extremism, white supremacism, white nationalism. None of those things exist in any violent, organized form in America. So what are they talking about? Who are they talking about? They're talking about you. We don't have to sugarcoat this these organizations, they're aimed at you now. You understand the end of this road, right? You understand where this road ends, where this road leads, how bad it is. Well, go back to what I was just talking about, all those atrocities. These people have the power to make that happen. Now, I look, don't take my word for it. They're not accountable. Here are the numbers. The FBI currently has, you know how many people 35,000 employees at the FBI, 21,000 at the CIA. We don't even know the NSA, but it's a lot between 30 and 40,000. That is a massive enforcement arm, bureaucratic army that has the power to destroy you. Destroy me? You realize that? In a heartbeat, they could take me out. I mean professionally, I don't know, know. maybe otherwise too, but in a heartbeat, they could just decide, that's my enemy, let's go after him. And it wouldn't have to be true or not. It wouldn't matter. They possess that power. You realize that? And let's keep a couple things in mind. It's not as if they just possess the power and, wow, they're not really doing anything with it. Oh, they're doing stuff with it. Do I need to remind you about the Federal Bureau of Investigation? taking opposition research paid for by Hillary Clinton. Dirt on Donald Trump. False dirt, it turns out. And they knew it was false dirt. And they took it and got a warrant to spy on him so they could spy on Republicans? What? We have the January 6th people who are being treated like second-class citizens, like guerrilla terrorists. Whatever you think of them, they're not violent armed terrorists. They weren't. We have well 52 this is according to a DOJ report 52 FBI employees you know what they did contacts with the media now what does that mean I don't Jesse I don't understand contact with the media what that means is not only are they aligned against you they're getting cozy with the media to leak things about you and before I get into the rest of the show and we have a great show for you tonight I need to make sure you remember something and stay focused on something. You remember this
1: NSA Tucker Carlson thing, right? You remember it? We heard from a whistleblower within the U.S. government who reached out to warn us that the NSA, the National Security Agency, is monitoring our electronic communications and is planning to leak them in an attempt to take the show off the air. Now that's a shocking claim, and ordinarily we'd be skeptical of it. It's illegal for the NSA to spy on American citizens. It's a crime. It's not a third world country. Things like that should not happen in America. But unfortunately, they do happen, and in this case, they did happen. The whistleblower, who is in a position to know, repeated back to us information about a story that we are working on that could have only come directly from my texts and emails. There's no other possible source for that information, period. The NSA captured that information without our knowledge and did it for political reasons. The Biden administration is spying on us. We have confirmed that.
0: I want to make sure you understand something. Not only did the NSA spy on Tucker Carlson, the NSA then leaked the information to the American media who ran with it. Remember, about 30 seconds after Tucker Carlson runs without the media runs some report. Tucker was trying to line up an interview with Putin. How would they know that? Well, you know how they knew that. And I really need you to understand how creepy this is and how dangerous of a stage we're going into here in this country. The NSA, the National Security Agency, they gathered information on a political opponent of the president, a television personality, somebody who says things the president doesn't like. So the NSA gathered his information illegally and then leaked the information to the media. And if all this wasn't stunning enough, it disappeared from the news in about 30 minutes. Do you understand what that means? Do you understand that's what they'll do to a gigantically popular television personality with a platform to expose them, what do you think they would do to you? What do you think these people would do? They have the power to do whatever they want. we just saw it, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, they're threatening you. hundred $100,000 fine or a year in jail. Don't you dare evict anybody. We'll come for you, we are the CDC. I'm sorry, what? What when did that happen? What? These are frightening times. We're going to dive into the FBI next. And I'll tell you, pay attention. These are frightening, frightening times. All, we have all that and a great guest tonight coming up on I'm Right. well there are experts and there are experts i mean goodness sakes joining me now jonathan t gilliam he's navy seal fbi special agent the guy was a freaking federal air marshal so if we have to talk fbi stuff there's probably nobody better out there jonathan i understand the guys on the ground are still the guys we want who's running the fbi now though who's leading
2: this organization so some of the people that work in the FBI are the people that you want. I do know a lot of people there um, still, and there, there's some great people there, but don't mistake uh, the fact that leftists have been recruited into the FBI and other agencies for a lot longer than just 2020. And uh, I remember when I was in the um, academy, uh, when in the FBI academy, when we're the uh, senior class then the new class that comes in, we escort them uh, and show them around and uh, park their car. We literally park their car and take their clothes, put them in their, in, uh, their room, and then they go in and have a, uh, a a brief, and it's it's like something out of a movie because you walk into like, the main classroom and your name is there, and so it's just like this motivation-building thing. One guy gets out of his car wearing a Shea Guevara shirt. Now, at the time... Oh. I just chalked that up as an idiot because this was 2005, right? So I I really didn't think anything about it. I just came out of the, the military, out of the SEAL teams. I went straight into the air marshals and then did contracting for Homeland Security. I hadn't seen that before. So I just thought he was stupid. And uh, But now, this many years later, um, seeing what I've seen, and I got out. One of the reasons I left the FBI in 2013 was because I was so disheartened by the way that they ran cases. And even then, because when you're in the bureau, you just don't question, you know, the motivation of those at the top. And so once I got out, and it didn't take long, it took about six months and a couple of good sources where I started to realize that Marxism, socialism, communism, whatever you wanna call it, the left was taken over. And I think Donald Trump coming into office exposed all of that because uh, he wasn't in the plan. And so it, it forced all these people to come out to the point where they don't even care anymore. They think what they think is normal to where FBI agents are taking a knee at uh, Black Lives sure. Matter parades. So it, it, start, okay, let's... it starts from the top, but it really started with recruiting, I would have to say.
0: I'm glad you brought that up again because I wanted to circle back to that. We're recruiting these leftist scumbags into the FBI. Who's the we? Who's doing the recruiting, and why are they recruiting
2: these guys? It's best to, to start with when. I think uh, when, believe it or not, George Bush Sr. took over for Reagan, things started to change a little bit. And then when Clinton came into office, all the warfighters got out. They left. Um, George Bush, uh, 43, came in. He didn't get rid of anybody who had been promoted to the top. This is the DOD, everything, really. And then once the, the quote-unquote, war on terror began, um, the people who were the worst leaders in the FBI somehow all rode these magic bullets to supervisory and assistant special agent in charge and special agent in charge positions to the point by Obama coming in office, uh, it was full-blown... Um, executives that are uh, leftists, but also the recruiting was really in full swing at that point. I'm really surprised that I got in when I did, but I'll tell you this, Jesse. I was told by somebody before I went in, they said, when you take the FBI test, remember, it is not written by agents, it's written by academics. So answer it like a liberal. And so there were certain questions that I answered that were not the way I would manage something but i thought to myself i could see the answer in there because it was a leftist answer and so that's what i chose and that's how and i flew through the test
0: all right, you said something else earlier that is, Bob. That was—it's been bothering me since you said it. Because it's what I've been worried about. You didn't like the way cases were being handled, so you got out. This is two parts to this. One, I'm worried our warriors like you are getting out, and now we're going to have an FBI full of soft leftist scum. Right. Two, what do you mean you didn't like the way cases were being handled? What's that mean?
2: Well, I—I I was in some different positions where I got to see uh, a lot of. Um, Interesting things. I got to rub elbows and work with executives from other law enforcement agencies and also uh, some of the uh, higher-ups in in the Bureau and and the New York office, I should say. And what I saw was, um, you know, what Comey – well, before Comey, it was actually Director Mueller when I was in, but then Comey afterwards. What I was seeing is that the directors would go up and brief Congress on things that weren't really true. They were manipulations of the statistics. You know, Comey said, I I think it was a historical moment when he said, we have a thousand terrorism cases at any given time in the FBI. Now that is true, but the true statistic is that out of those thousand, I don't know, maybe a dozen uh, actually filter out to be anything, because most of them are certain, person is mad at somebody over in Afghanistan. So they call and say that this cab driver is a terrorist. And so we end up following them until we work that case out. So it's a terrorism case, but there's no terrorism nexus. And that's the t- statistic that they never point out. And why is that? Because the statistics are suited uh, to fulfill whatever the Bureau's picture should be in the the congressman or the president's eye at that point. And see, that's what the difference was with Trump, is that that Comey didn't play that game for Trump. He was playing it for the left. Okay, well, I'm glad you brought
0: up Trump because this is an interesting scenario I worry about for the future. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump gets in there. It takes him a while, but he figures out these people, basically everybody in the federal government's against him. But there was no real clean-out of the FBI. My question is can a president who's aware of this problem do something about it
2: so there's the key to it okay you and i both work in media right we know the reality of media and the background of media we don't just talk we actually have seen it okay so if you and i were to take a job as head of a media network and we we knew that this stuff existed we would be very keen on who to get rid of and who to recruit to bring in this is one of President Trump's, I don't want to call it a downfall, but this was one of the the penalties that you get when you hire somebody as a president who's never been in government, is that I don't think he realized that. And And when you're in government, just like there's people I know that work at CNN, they don't see what we see, right? So people that are in government, I think when President Trump was in government, once he saw that he was being attacked by these people, I still don't think, he may now, but I don't think he saw... How deeply this went and he trusted people that he just should not trust, whether it was people in the FBI, the DOD, or the Republican Party. There were people that he trusted because he didn't know. And you it's hard to tell when you're in there because it, it's mind boggling, Jesse, when 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 you see the reality of how deep, these people will go to get the leftist movement forward. It's the same thing as when you date somebody who's really a bad person, and then at the end of it, you're like, I'm shocked that they did that, or a friend that screws you over. It's the same thing here. You just don't expect it.
0: Jonathan, I remember the BuzzFeed article that just came out recently about the report saying that bogus assassination, kidnapping plot on Whitmer, that uh, governor of Whit- Michigan, that it was FBI informants involved at every stage of that, including the planning of it, which has a lot of people on the right, myself included, saying, okay, do we have anything but false flags out there? What am I supposed to make of this?
2: Well, this shows you right here that everything you are hearing needs to be questioned. It doesn't matter who it comes from. I mean, this is clear entrapment. As far as I can tell, every agent, every law enforcement officer that I've talked to has said that this is entrapment. Yes, Gretchen Whitmer should be removed from office, but it should be done the right way. But it's very interesting that it was FBI informants that are the ones who were basically edging this on completely. And this is completely different than, you know, you hear about somebody planning something, and so you secrete an informant in there, and then they overwatch. This was not overwatch. This was planning and funding. And then we find out that the supervisor that was in charge of that gets arrested for beating up his wife after a sex party. So, you know, whether it's the FBI or Fauci with COVID or anything else out there, people need to be questioning what they're being told and who's telling it to them because you just don't know who these people are. Amen. Jonathan Gilliam, thank you so much, brother. Simplify. You got it, my friend. Thank you very much.
0: I don't know. uh, We've had this talk before. I don't know that there's a more dangerous thing happening in the country right now than the Federal Bureau of Investigation aiming its sights on you. All right, we're not done yet. Hang on. (laughs)
2: I'm going to
0: now to talk about that and a lot of things surrounding January 6th one of my favorite people in the world Julie Kelly Julie what am I looking at there because it looked to me like cops were chucking flashbangs and tear gas into a crowd of people is that what I'm looking at
3: yes that is exactly what you are looking at and your viewers will be looking at but most of the American public thanks to the news media um has not seen that video I think it's important to note that that video when we posted it at American Greatness too, uh, and it's corroborated by other video clips that we've received, that happened about one on January 6th. And you could tell those protesters were doing nothing wrong. They were singing, they were waving flags, they were not breaching any of the barriers, but yet DC Metro Police and US Capitol Police started throwing these flashbangs, some with rubber pellets, you can hear people saying that they got hit. Uh, They also were dousing the crowd with what one judge called super soakers of tear gas. So they were attacking this crowd, provoking them, um, and that's why you started to see some scuffles with police that day.
0: Okay, I guess the million-dollar question, Julie, is why?
3: I think that the plan was to provoke these scenes that we saw afterwards, which is Trump supporters or protesters, not all of them were there just to support Donald Trump, um, but to provoke these people into clashing with police which is what they did. Um, And so I heard reports from people who were there, uh, people who have sent me video showing what the police were doing. Uh, They said that they were attacking the crowd. Some of them were just randomly punching them. They were using batons on them. You know, Jesse, I always go back to the clip of Thomas Webster. He is a former Marine and ex-NYPD officer who's been charged with assaulting police. Now this guy obviously is police officer, you can see him running through the crowd and confronting police officers and saying, you commie, you know what, take your stuff off. Why are you attacking Americans? And so why would a, why would a New York Police Department officer, former Marine, confront one of his own, several of its own um, and ask him why, he, why they were attacking Americans? And the answer is, because that's exactly what they were doing.
0: Okay, Julie, what do we know about, I mean, there were all kinds of internet rumors flying all over the place about Antifa having possibly some bad actors in there, uh, uh, Black Lives Matter possibly having some bad actors in there. What do, what do you know? Because you're always in the know on this stuff. What's real and what's fake? <laughs>
3: um, you know, Jesse, I assume that some of those agitators were there. Um, will we ever really know the truth? No. But we do know now with all of this video and testimony I've read in court that there were police officers who intentionally provoked the crowd. Now, if you go back, Jesse, think about what was happening in June of 2020. Uh, We had a year long investigation into whether park police and other officers uh, used tear gas and other crowd control mechanisms against BLM and Antifa protesters who actually were threatening the White House. They were destroying property. They burned a historic church. They were vandalizing public streets. And so people were in uproar that the police used any sort of tear gas or chemical irritant to disperse that crowd. We found out later it had nothing to do with Trump's photo op at St. John Church across the street. But we've had no interest in what the police were doing that day. That's why we saw all the theatrics from the police officers last week the tears accusations these people are terrorists and insurrectionists and what they went through um because no one was there to ask them well what did you see your own colleagues do that day here's a video explain what we're looking at
0: julie what are the conditions the january 6 protesters who've been arrested what are the conditions they're currently living in
3: so Jesse, the Justice Department has sought what is called pre-trial detention for at least 100 uh, protesters. Several of them have been charged with attacking or assaulting police officers. Some are nonviolent. Um, three dozen, at least right now, have been housed in this D.C., I call it D.C., deplorable jail because it is part of the D.C. prison. That is set aside only to house January 6th defendants. Now I've talked to some of them while they've been incarcerated, I've talked to their lawyers, I talked to some, interviewed them after they were released. What happened was they have been um, in many cases set to 23 hours a day solitary confinement conditions There's been reports of abuse by prison guards. Um, Obviously they have no access to religious services, no access to personal hygiene. They have to share a nail clipper. Uh, There's no shaving gear for any of them. Um, And they most importantly, have been denied routine access to their defense attorneys. I listened to a hearing last Friday, Timothy Hale, who's been in the jail since the first week of February, charged with no violent crime. And his lawyer for a solid week tried to reach him in the DC jail leading up to this hearing last Friday afternoon and could not access him. So we have all sorts of unconstitutional, un-American, really inhumane treatment of these defendants. While, well, as you know, Jesse, we've had how many attackers of police officers uh, that we saw not just in 2020, but really every night in major cities. And they certainly are not hauled off to a special prison. Have to like hardened criminals um, for months on end awaiting trials that will not start until next year.
0: Well, look, that's all the bad news. The good news is I'm sure the FBI is all over the person who set the pipe bombs at the RNC and DNC. I mean, Julie, uh, I'm sure you've been to D.C. a million times. I certainly have. I lived there for a year. It's got to be one of the most surveilled cities in the world. There are cameras everywhere. How many people has the FBI busted for setting down those
3: pipe bombs? You know, that's a great question. I don't know why we don't have those answers because, well, I'm assuming, Jesse, because the FBI is very busy banging down the doors of Indiana grandmothers and Florida pastors and veterans who live in Texas and Tennessee, um, you know, stealing <laughs> their devices and charging them with trespassing and disorderly conduct. So I think, you you know, give the FBI a break. They're super busy right now tracking down MAGA um, yeah grandmas and charging them and, and trying to ruin their lives. We have no time for who might might have might have set those pipe bombs uh, that afternoon. Well no time at all.
0: No. no time at all. All right Julie, explain the steel dossier for people who've forgotten or just showed up on planet Earth. Speaking <laughs> of the FBI. <laughs>
3: So the Steele dossier, you know, it was the five-year anniversary on Saturday of the official launch of Crossfire Hurricane. Um, That was a counterintelligence probe into the Trump campaign uh, that was used really to get to Donald Trump to surveil him and his family and his associates. So it was based largely on what is called the Steele dossier which is a series of memos put together by what we were told, remember, he was a crack a former British spy. He worked for uh, top agencies in the UK. He was widely respected around the world. He could get information from anywhere. Um, so this was Christopher Steele. He put together all these memos that we later found out was complete garbage. We also found out that far from being just, uh, you know, an, un, an objective former British uh, intelligence officer, Christopher Steele is a paid political operative. He was being paid by the DNC, the Hillary Clinton campaign, to put this dirt together in the form of a dossier, which then, as you know, Jesse, was used as the primary source of evidence uh, presented by Jim Comey and Sally Yates to the secret court in October of 2016 to get a FISA warrant to spy on Carter Page and by extension, everyone in the Trump campaign. So, Here we are five years later. We know it was total garbage. But here we have the latest iteration of Crossfire Hurricane, which is a Capitol breach probe, the official name of the DOJ investigation into January 6th. And now uh, Nancy Pelosi show trial, uh, the January 6th Select Committee.
0: Well, look, I'm not going to stress about little things like FBI corruption, not when Bill Barr has promised he will get to the bottom of it. Julie Kelly, thank you so much. I appreciate you.
3: Jesse, thanks so much for having me on.
0: It's like we're living in some kind of weird dystopian nightmare. I, 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 I even knew about the Steele dossier, but having Julie Kelly lay it out for us again—just what? And the fact everyone got away with it. Everyone. Those crimes, people should be rotting in federal prison, and everyone just got off scot-free. God, <laughs> tell you. That. All right, we're not done yet. Hang on. I like to dumb things down every now and then. Well, for me, not for you. I know you can handle things, but I personally need things, especially law, fancy smart law things. explained to me in a way I can understand them. So joining me now is Jonathan Emery. He's a constitutional law attorney. He's also the author of The Authoritarians, Their Assault on Individual Liberty, The Constitution, and Free Enterprise from the 19th Century to the Present. Jonathan Please don't rip off your microphone and walk away when I ask you this stupid question. I want you to explain to me, what exactly is the DOJ? What is the Department of Justice? What do they do? What does it encompass? The Department of
4: Justice, which is presided over by the Attorney General, is basically the the, the attorneys for the government of the United States. They are to defend the laws of the United States and the Constitution, and they are to pursue justice, which is interesting, because if they're asked to perform an act that violates the laws or the Constitution, they are supposed to refuse.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, perhaps I'm crazy here, but it doesn't seem like they're refusing.
4: Right. It seems as though the Justice Department is interested in pursuing a political agenda rather than upholding the laws of the United States, upholding the Constitution and acting as the attorneys for the government of the United States.
0: How did that happen? How did they become the Democrat mouthpiece, the Democrat
4: enforcement arm? When did that happen? I guess I should probably ask. Well, the politicization of the Justice Department has a long history, uh, but it is more political today than it has been in our lifetimes. During the uh, uh, infamous court packing plan days of the Franklin Roosevelt administration, uh, the Attorney General, then Attorney General, uh, advocated the court packing plan and actually was the author of the plan that Franklin Roosevelt introduced into Congress. And that, of course, was a blatantly political and unconstitutional move to use the executive power to intimidate the court into what was known famously at the time uh, in, in news reports as the switch in time that saved nine. They were intimidated into switching their opposition to government power beyond the limits of the Constitution and allowing that mass extension of federal power beyond constitutional limits to occur. So that was the first most famous example of in in the modern era of the the Justice Department serving a patently political end. But since that time, they have oftentimes, as we remember from uh, Attorney General Mitchell's days in the Nixon administration, he became thoroughly embroiled in defending the president's unlawful actions. And uh, it, it is then from that point forward that we intermittently see, for example, Obama's Attorney General and the Fast and Furious Scandal. You see political actions, defense of the president, despite patently illegal activities. So uh, they've lost uh, much credibility over the years because of their involvement in politics.
0: Okay. (sighs) Okay. What What is the DOJ's role as it relates to the president? What should it be? I, I guess I should ask. Because I, all I've ever known, it seems like, is, is attorney generals who were the enforcers of the president, unless they're Republicans, and then that's another story entirely. But uh, they should be separate because the president appoints them.
4: Yeah, they're not the president's private attorneys. They are the attorneys for the government of the United States. And as a consequence, there's a natural almost inevitable conflict of interest that occurs whenever the president wishes to take an action that would violate statutory law or the Constitution. So rather than act in ways that defend the law, frequently we find, at least in the last several years uh, of this administration, we find that the, I mean, uh, of the last several months of this administration, we find that the Attorney General uh, has been willing to defend, for example, the open border policy, even though it's directly a violation of the the immigration laws, to uphold his uh, position on critical race theory, uh, to take the position that mandatory vaccination would not be uh, unlawful, and so forth, despite the fact that these questions at a minimum, these issues at a minimum are uh, debatable, And more times than not, at least from my vantage point, I would argue these are unlawful or unconstitutional executive actions, certainly actions that could not be taken without uh, a a law passed by Congress, because at a minimum, it violates the separation of powers.
0: All right. There's a headline here from the Daily Caller I thought was interesting. Biden DOJ has instructed the Treasury to deliver President Trump's tax returns to Congress. What? How is that? How is that legal? What, what are they doing? What are they talking about?
4: Well, they're responding to a subpoena for that information. And again, I would think that delivering someone's personal tax returns uh, to the Congress uh, would offend the statutory law, which affords taxpayers privacy, certainly in the absence of any determination of illegality. And this precedes any action by the state of New York or by any other authority that uh, would hold uh, the president's actions unconstitu- or unlawful. And so uh, it's precipitous. And I think that it's also indicative, again, of the politicization of the Department of Justice
0: jonathan i do have to ask also but also about china there have been several high profile cases recently about i mean there's one a chinese phd student was accused of spying for the chinese government dropped we have these kids that were clearly chinese military DOG, doj dropped it why in the world would the doj be playing nice with china they're very clearly playing nice with china
4: it's outrageous because the evidence is overwhelming of the, their complicity in, in spying and espionage activity and, and theft of intellectual property. There's quite an enormous amount of evidence that has backed this uh, action in the first instance. It was no mistake that during the Trump administration, the Department of Justice pursued these matters. And uh, you know it begs the ultimate question, I think, Is the political position of this administration, which has been to avoid conflict with China, even at the expense of our own national interests, in my view, is that now being translated into a Department of Justice policy of not prosecuting those who are engaged in espionage and theft of intellectual property on behalf of the PRC in our country? Jonathan, what about the nursing homes? I, I will tell you this one. I shouldn't say it shocked me because
0: it didn't, but it disgusted me. We had these states like New York. The states chose to put in policies that ended up getting seniors killed by the thousands, and the DOJ looked into it, didn't look into it, and just decided, hey, there's nothing there. Should they have pursued something?
4: Well, I think they should have. They issued a administrative warrant to the state Demanding that the into to the mayor's or excuse me the governor's office, demanding that uh, they produce all of the information we know from all the information that has come out that uh, Cuomo was uh, working aiding and abetting a a plan to suppress information so that information about the nursing homes about his policy of allowing individuals who are infected to go back into the nursing homes and the number of deaths and and so forth that were associated with that, all that information was suppressed. And uh, this is not really open to much debate. I mean, the whole state actually has the goods on Cuomo uh, in their investigation of potential grounds for impeachment. The Justice Department has access that very same information. So it's striking again that in the presence of what is quite apparently an overt effort to avoid compliance with this federal subpoena, uh, and And furthermore, what appears to be an effort to mislead the federal government under penalty of perjury in response uh, that that uh, that is not going to be the subject of any further investigation. It again smacks strongly of uh, politics and that uh, the democratic administration is attempting to protect a democratic governor even though he's uh, he's up to his neck in hot water on a number of of uh Legal grounds. Uh, Jonathan, thank you so much. I appreciate your time.
0: You're quite welcome. Thank you. Scary times. All right, we'll be back. This stuff is a big deal. Our government agencies, our unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats deciding you and I are the enemy is a really, really big deal. I mean, we talk all the time about, well, uh, the midterms. We'll take back the House. But those people will still be there. In 2024, we're going to win the presidency. Okay? Yeah, we should. Let's go get them. But those people will still be there the bureaucratic arm of the United States of America is gigantic. It's well-funded. There are over a hundred thousand people at just the FBI, CIA, and NSA, and they think you and I are the enemy. That is a big deal. We're never going to let up on that on this show. Not ever. Because look, these people have the power to destroy normal people. They have the power to destroy any of this, any of us. We better keep them in check. All right. We'll do it again.